you get off on the weird? Monsters, Halloween, horror. You've heard of word porn, car porn, earth porn. Now prepare yourself for monster porn. Is this really a good idea? Weird fiction and horror podcast. Created by the backwards hat guy, Matt Cummins. Are you trying to teach psychic powers to animals? Puggles, the abomination trapped in the body of an adorable teacup piggy. Good for human. And myself, lead occultist, Brett Norwood. Today's story is Interdimensional Cancer a la Mode by Matt Cummins, MD. Good 4th of July hangover, America. Welcome to Monster Porn. I hope you all still have all of your fingers. No reason. First news today, friends of the show at indie comics publisher Oneshi Press have a new Kickstarter we'd like to showcase. It's Zombie Apocalypse Meta Humor featuring a zombie hunter with a haunted zombie bite that talks to him. So, in other words, if you like this show, it might be right up your alley, masturbators. It's called Mr. Guy, Zombie Hunter. And we're going to play you their clip. Mr. Guy Zombie Hunter is a delicious zombie apocalypse caper of ridiculous proportions. Our reluctant half-goblin hero, Mr. Guy, explores a smattering of zombie apocalypse tropes trying to find the cure. Each chapter is paired with a different illustrator, giving this ongoing story rich variations in flavor to keep the reader turning them zesty pages. We're kickstarting Act 1 of Mr. Guy from July 1st to the 31st, along with Oneshi Press's 10th comics anthology, Origins. For more information, visit Mr. Guy comic.com link to the kickstarter will be in the episode description also join the monsterbaiters who have already signed up for the mp newsletter at monsterpornpodcast.com in order to follow the creation of monster porn magazine is this show something you like to see in print hold in your hands put on your shelf display in your case of shrunken heads let us know if that is something you'd be into Uh, We want to hear your opinions. The alternative is a digital-only release. And, as always, subscribe, rate, and review to help keep this show going. Anyway, without any further ado, on to the show. This 4th of July singles mingle in the park is quite the sausage party, Brett. I know, Matt. Have you tried the brats? Have you met anyone yet? Well, I sat under the tree by the creek for a while and met God. Is it serious? It was pretty casual. I mean, have you tried talking to any of these women yet? And hopefully about something other than sausage or creepy Brett shit. You mean I shouldn't lead with the sausage? What, what did I say? Yeah, if it has to be one of the two, stick with the creepy shit. Oh, hey, what about that chick over there? Her? She looks... normal. That's a plus for most of the world. I don't know how to talk. I mean, what do I say? I know, I don't have to talk. She just has to think that we talked. I know an occult spell that will insert a fake memory to make her believe that we already talked and had a compelling conversation. Okay, okay, I hear you. But, now bear with me, but how about this? 
how about we just do this the normal way, just just for one time, the way that normal people would do it, and you just go and you talk to her. That will never work. You know how I talk. True, and you're carrying a wizard staff and wearing an enormous peacock pattern cape. I should know better. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and head home and work on how to explain to my wife that I was just at a singles mixer. Do you think the river beast understands women? He understands the motions of the stars, the ways of the earth, and the hidden impulses of the heart. But does he understand women? I, I don't know. You can't consult the river beast for everything, Brett. For one thing, the price in blood is way too high. You have a point. But I estimate a man of your height and weight ought to contain approximately five liters of blood, at least one of which is optional. No. But it's for a good cause. Not even to ensure that your best friend in the whole world attains the ability to spawn genetic offspring through copulation. Hey, the sausage is good. Let's just talk about the sausage. I'll start collecting women into an extra-dimensional space that I can store in my pocket for later. That way, I'll have options when I figure out what to say. I'll still have them handy. Okay, I hear you. Again, I hear you. But how about this? This is hypothetical, totally just spitballing here. Let's say... You just go ask her if she's going to the fireworks tonight. Oh, wait! I have an even better spell to utilize. Silly me. Why didn't I think of it? Oh, yeah, it's because it's banned knowledge, and I had to use another spell to repress the knowledge in order to prevent me from ever thinking it was a good idea to attempt again. Oh, silly me. Okay, here we go. Oh, please don't. Okay, okay, stepping back. Azerath Metrion Zinthos! Oh, my God! Christ. Brett... Why do all the women have eyes? Like, a lot of them. And amorphous appendages. Man, the chick has bat wings in her hair. I had to make them more approachable and relatable. Now I can talk to any of them. Scree! Scree! The horrendous squeal of a rusted metal wheel brought Jerry to his senses. He opened his eyes to a blinding white light. No, those are fluorescents, he thought, as the ceiling tiles passed like the tick of a metronome. There were people around him in masks, and for a moment he thought people were also wearing hairnets now because of COVID-19. But then he realized he was in a hospital. He had been in a hospital because, well, at the moment, he couldn't remember. Jerry. Uh, Jerry, can you hear me? A voice over him asked, and he looked up to see a familiar set of brown eyes looking down at him. The eyes were familiar, but trying to recall who they belonged to was as good as trying to catch a fart with a fishnet. Jerry tried to answer yes, but what came out was more of a moist and sticky-sounding... The doctor seemed contented by this. Doctor. Shit. Jerry realized the man was a doctor, but why was this man a doctor? And why was Jerry flat on his back and being wheeled down the hallway on a stretcher? I must have been in an accident, his sleepy, numbed mind told him. Yes, that was it, after all, wasn't it? Jerry had been trying to rollerblade, yes, rollerblading at 45, with budding man tits. It was laughable, really, but... He was trying to lose weight, like his doctor had told him. Trying to lose weight like Dr. Willis. Theo Willis, the black man with the deep brown eyes that was currently staring down at him. He was rollerblading, trying to get some exercise when he saw a red tank top coming toward him. 
Hell, it wasn't just a tank top, it was a red crop top. And the woman had red, high-waisted spandex shorts on, too. Red was the color of fire, blood, and danger. That moment, Jerry was in danger. He felt so stupid. It was as if every nerve inside his body was screaming, Woman! Woman! Tits! Huge tits! Ass! Tits and ass! Wasn't this 2020? Wasn't he supposed to be better than this? She had a long red braid that flicked back and forth behind her, coming from a hole in her hat like the tail of some exotic horse. Her crop top barely contained her large and, likely due to proportion, fake breasts. Her skin was copper, which seemed impossible with her red hair. And as she passed him, he saw that her eyes were jade and feline. He did everything he could to not look back, but when she went by, he felt possessed, as though his head were turning in spite of his commands not to. He had to see her ass. He just had to. He fought with everything he had, and then, after a shrug, his better sense seemed to jump on the YOLO train. He turned his head to the left, and he caught a glimpse of a nice, round posterior and the small heart shape of a thigh gap. I'll die happy if that's the last thing I ever see, he thought as he drifted left. The cyclist, who was cruising along at a very solid 20 miles per hour, didn't have a chance to swerve as he plowed into Jerry's back. Jerry felt the front tire of the bike separate his legs as the tire gave another half-rotation before the brakes, or quite possibly Jerry's shorts, brought the tire to a standstill. That last rotation had the effect of burning into Jerry's asshole and stretching his testicles forward while simultaneously rubbing them raw. Yep, the tire had nearly peeled his shorts right off of his body. The cyclist choked out, as his face jammed into the back of Jerry's head, the crown of his helmet making a loud cracking sound as it collided with the back of Jerry's helmet. Jerry went forward as the man rolled, nearly flipped off of and over him. Jerry tumbled forward, and the woman in the red turned just in time to see a large, sweaty man in baggy shorts and a blue t-shirt, the same man who had looked sick or handicapped as she had passed him go forward as the man on the bike went careening ass over tea kettle. The chubby guy fell, landing on his face, and the bike tire pulling his shorts down as the tire seemed to comically roll itself in a twist of shorts and flabby cheeks into the man's ass. He fell, and the tire pivoted, and the bike stood for a moment as though the bike were a flag and the man's ass were the hole into which the flag had been planted before falling forward with a thud. There were shouts and cries of, Are you okay? And, Oh my God! As Jerry lay on the ground, pulling at his shorts, feeling the sting of the cotton against his raw, scraped flesh. He got up and apologized to the cyclist, who had taken the moment to boast about his helmet. That is why you wear a helmet, the man said. He was tall and lean and wearing tighter-fitting spandex than the woman in red. He had a chunk of turf sucked to the side of his helmet, and it dangled as he talked. Uh, you, you've got a dingleberry on your face. Jerry heard a voice, his own voice, say, and that was when he first realized something might be wrong. 
He was speaking, but it sounded as though he were listening to a conversation from far, far away. What? the man demanded before a look of concern replaced the incredulity. My God, man, you're bleeding, the man exclaimed. Jerry reached up and touched the blood that was coming from the sizable cut next to the corner of his eye. From there, Jerry had gotten back to his car and had driven himself to the hospital. When he arrived, he went in through the ER doors and promptly collapsed. Later, he woke up on a stretcher going down the hallway. Dr. Willis was saying something about, about, about an x-ray, but Jerry couldn't make it out. Just as the lights began to fade, and Jerry felt as though he were falling away, falling through space and time, or deeper into himself, Jerry saw a strange face slither up next to Dr. Willis. It was a face of another man, or something like a man, and it was grinning at him with large porcelain teeth. Jerry saw himself, not quite in the third person, but not quite through his own eyes, lying on the operating table. It was as though he were having an out-of-body experience while still being trapped within his own body, disconnected, but unable to fully move or fully separate. Dr. Willis was standing above him, looking down at him carefully. Across the table was a younger doctor. Who would ever thought that your life could possibly... The doctor trailed off. I know, Dr. Willis said, not gravely, but with an air of reverence. I mean, I know we're not entirely sure what we're up against until we get in there, but if he survives... The doctor stopped again. I know, Dr. Willis said, this time like he really did know. You wake up every morning and just try your best, but who would ever think... The doctor said. I know, Dr. Willis said, like he did know, and then it was obvious. Now he wished the man would just get on with it. I mean, someday, he may tell his kids, the doctor said. I know, Willis said again, reverence replaced with agitation. Life saved by a bike tire halfway up his ass, the other doctor said. Jerry tried to speak, but he found he was completely unable to move. He felt more connected to his body now, but he was aware of how unaware they were of his awareness. Look at his eyes, the second doctor said as he picked up a large knife. It looked more like a rig devised for splitting open gourds, more so than the delicate tissues of the human body, that is. I know, said Dr. Willis. Some of them just won't stay shut. Gotta make you wonder, the other doctor said. You know, if this is registering anywhere in his consciousness. I know, Willis said, too exhausted to care anymore. Willis shook his head and then pointed at something out of Jerry's sight. The other doctor, thank God, put down the strange serrated device and handed over a large scalpel. Willis considered the edge with a gloved finger and then brought the knife down behind the blue canvas. Jerry knew that if he could move his eyes, he'd see something happening up on a monitor. But he could only manage to stare straight up at the light. He wanted to scream, tell them to stop, and that he was awake. 
but then the world seemed to tip, to shift a little, and then darken. It felt nauseous, and all of the colors and lights swirled into a single point and then disappeared. Minutes, hours, heck, maybe even eons passed before Jerry came to again. But when he did, he found himself not under the knife of Dr. Theodore Willis, but of the strange man whose face had appeared next to Dr. Willis's the last time that Jerry had lost consciousness. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! Another doctor was saying, I know, the lead doctor said. These two men wore masks and hairnets, but where the smooth black skin of Dr. Willis contrasted with the masks, these men had lumpy pink flesh like that of a sweating pig. Their eyes were large, but black, shark-like, and their wide mouths grinned out beyond the edges of their small medical masks. Cherry looked at the giant blood-soaked blade the doctor who had replaced Willis was holding. This one bleeds, the second doctor said, and it was then that Jerry noticed this doctor was slightly more purple, and the other doctor was more reddish. I know, said Dr. Red excitedly. And he is riddled with them, the purple doctor said, and then he reached a hand downward and rubbed. Jerry couldn't see where that hand was going, but Jerry didn't want to know. He thought the thing might have been touching itself, but he was clearly dreaming, he told himself. He was being operated on, for what he still didn't know and these men were just some figment of his drug-addled imagination. Oh, shit! Dr. Purple shouted, and then the other doctor, Dr. Red, responded once again with a, I know! But this time, it was a bestial grunt. Get it! I'll get it! The Purple Doc screamed. Jerry tried to look down, and though his eyes didn't move, he could feel them. He could feel them more than he had in what he was currently thinking of as the real world. Dr. Red raised a huge pair of tongs into the air. They looked like something you would turn a bratwurst with on a grill, more than they did anything that should be in a surgeon's ammo supply. Jerry suddenly felt an immense pressure in his ribs, and he saw that the other doctor, the purple doc, was pulling a pair of handles that reminded him of post hole diggers. The difference being that the hands pulling the handles were lumpy and clawed, and the digger wasn't going into soft earth but Jerry's flesh. He heard a crack and saw his own ribcage blossom like a rose. He screamed internally, and the doctors both looked up. Did you hear something? Red asked. Purple shrugged. There it is! Get it! Get it! I know! I know! Red shouted, and then he plunged into Jerry's open chest cavity with his hands. Jerry tried to close his eyes, but he couldn't. He tried to focus on something else, but he couldn't. He tried to just fade away, but he couldn't do that either. All he could do was watch as this monstrosity dug its claws into his open chest. The world faded out of focus. Poor bastard. Dr. Willis said. Can you imagine? He comes in here because he bumped his head and chafed his bunghole, and we end up doing emergency surgery to remove tumors from around his spine. 
Ah, poor bastard, the other doctor agreed. Look at him. He's riddled with them. The colors faded again. When the world steadied, he was back in that other place, that other strange world, and Dr. Red was straddling him on the table, one foot on each side, and pumping his legs as he held something raw and maroon-colored in his hands. It was octopus-like, with long, grasping tendrils that were holding on to something inside of Jerry desperately. The thing also had teeth, and it was biting into Dr. Red's strange hands with its small, bony mouth. A large eyeball shifted under its flesh as it looked for an escape. Finally, something snapped, and the doctor fell off backwards. Jerry heard the sounds of struggle, and then he found that he could move his eyes ever so slightly, and he could see that somewhere down by his feet, Dr. Red had come back up to his own feet and was choking laughter and was shoving the creature into his mouth and chewing it. Not chewing. Chewing was what cattle did with their cud. Dr. Red's teeth were chomping as fast as the mouth of a wood chipper. He was processing the small tentacled creature. Meanwhile, Dr. Purple was screeching, Oh no! Oh no! Where did it go? Where did it go? We must have all of it! All of it! We need all of that flesh! We need all of its pain! As he dug inside of Jerry's open ribcage, Jerry was beginning to feel. There was something like pressure and something like a cold burn. If it were a dream, it was unlike any dream he'd ever had before. The feeling, though distant and not yet painful, uncomfortable but not painful, was more real than anything he'd experienced in a dream before. Just then, Purple came back up with something in his teeth. His teeth were shark-like and not nearly as efficient as Dr. Red. He bit off a piece of his own lip and then slurped up the remaining tentacles. His mask caught in his teeth, and Jerry could see that most of Purple's lips were scar tissue from where chunks had been bitten off before. Dr. Red assumed his previous position on Jerry's left. He stood with the glow of the lights behind him and looked over Jerry. He's beautiful, Purple said. I know. Red said. He's a fucking smorgasbord, Purple said. I know, Red said. Talk about meals on wheels. I mean, he gets his sphincter rubbered and we get to dine, Purple said, and this last word came out cartoonishly hellish. Let's dig in, Red said. Let's feast, Purple said. They both ripped and clawed at the gaping maw of his bisected chest cavity. Parts of him he couldn't name were torn free and thrown into the air. The pain was dull at first and then became exquisite, searing, and blinding hot. Eat only which feels that which feels, Dr. Red was screaming, mad. Free this numb, dead bag of those which cry to us in pain, Purple bellowed. Jerry screamed inside of his own mind as the doctors tore into his insides. 
On the table in the post-op room, Jerry stared up at the lights, his eyes barely open. The doctor who had helped Dr. Willis with his surgery stood over him. Poor bastard, he said. How to God we got it all, and just think, he came in because of a bike tire in his ass. Fuck you, Jerry screamed in his head. You don't know. You don't know what's real. I've lifted the veil and I've sniffed under the bitch's skirt. Suddenly, the doctor was leaning over him and snapping his fingers. I swear to God, he just blinked, the second doctor said. second doctor, who looked more and more like Dr. Purple. Did you see it? It, it blinks. It feels, Dr. Purple said. Oh my, what do we have here, said a doctor, who at first looked like Dr. Willis, but more like Dr. Red. The two faces looked into his eyes with great interest and grinned. bonus to your plan to make women more uh, relatable to you by transforming them into monsters it appears that all the other men have fled in abject terror it's all you man lucky dog right on matt the luckiest dog that ever dogged or lucked just look at this veritable smorgasbord of stunning and unusual ladies yeah i'm pretty uncomfortable so are you uh are you finally gonna go talk to Someone? Some... something? Oh. Nah, it was just enough to know I could. Ow. After all this, you're damn well talking to someone. There. That chick, bat wing chick thing. Get after it! Do you think I should transform myself into a tiger dragon first? You know, I think that's a good first impression. Transform yourself? I'll transplant my foot in your ass. Don't tell me you're still intimidated by these women after transforming them all into monsters. Get out there! But they're all such... Attractive monsters, and like, who am I? My god, Brett, you're literally in a situation where you might be the only man alive who would hit it off with any of these women! Wait, what's going on over there? They're all flocking around some dude? <laughs> Ladies! Oh, just let me say, I've never been surrounded by so many gorgeous women at once! <laughs> No! That's my future harem! Oh, man. It's a creepy porn guy. Of course it's the monster porn guy. Who's, uh, oh, oh, who's going to the fireworks tonight? <laughs> Told you. 
Oh, oh, and there are oh, going to be oh, fireworks tonight. Oh, praise America! Monster Porn Podcast is a production of Warped Box Media. Today's story was Interdimensional Cancer a la Mode by Matt Cummins, MD. For legal reasons, I have to say he's not an MD. Music by Brett Norwood. That's me. Good day, Monster Baiters. Brett here. If you enjoyed this episode of Monster Porn Podcast, first, we're sorry you got perma-banned from the Singles Mingles Forever. But second, be sure you're subscribed to Monster Porn Podcast, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Longtime Monster Baiter and friend of the show, Bree, left this awesome review on Apple Podcasts. The stories are creative, and I love the intro-outro music as well as the skits. Thanks for the awesome review, Bree. Sign up for the Monster Porn Newsletter at monsterpornpodcast.com to follow us and get updates on the magazine. That's it, until the shark angels come, in the day that the finger-headed giants shall roam the earth. Stay weird, and Godspeed, strange cowboy. What? Shit. <laughs> I just totally lost where I was at. <laughs> it was then. God damn it. They looked something like you would turn a bratwurst over on. Like, fucking, I keep losing my place. <laughs> it was an octopus. <laughs> octopus. Octopus. <laughs> Not chewing. Chewing is what cattle did with their cud. Dr. Red's teeth were... And then that bang, bang. And that... The end. Sorry. <laughs> Talk about Meals on Wheels. I mean, he gets his sphincter... Not sphincter. <laughs> Right in the sphincter. Right in the sphincter. <laughs> it's good because it combines pink with sphincter. Oh, no. I don't want to have that image in my mind. Please, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> mm, nope. Mm, you know what? The sausage is good. You know what? Let's talk. Ah, let's do this over again. <laughs>
I'm, Matt, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gets tired <laughs> talking about that sausage. Yeah, it was the it was the ad libbing I was doing at the beginning, and then when I t- like paired that with talking about sausage, it was just too much. <laughs> Azeroth Metrion Synthos. Wait, there's the lockstones in there. Synthos. Azeroth Metrion Synthos. <laughs> oh, that's gonna happen. That's gonna happen. <laughs>